momentum in the group, if there was a momentum at that time, it wasn't the momentum of being a success and personal appearances in, in, in top ten records as much as it was evolving in our music and as human beings. and welcome back to the Sail On Podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. I appreciate you joining me as always from wherever and whenever you are listening. I've been extremely busy this summer, which is good. And I hope you guys are having a productive and enjoyable summer, staying cool, staying healthy, looking at tomorrow while living in the moment. We are concluding our Friends album episodes with a wonderful guest reviewer today who I've been looking forward to having on the show for a long time, so that's up next. But first, I got some kind of bad news yesterday. I was looking forward to seeing Brian here in September, but I got an email saying that Brian had canceled the rest of his tour dates due to health reasons, and I haven't heard anything further Maybe you guys know more than I do, but I hope Brian's doing okay. Tough situation, as you guys know, but there's some sort of PR thing that I saw that said he was going to reschedule the dates, but I have a feeling that this may be the end of Brian's touring days. Either way, we love you, Brian. We love you! Please welcome to the show my good buddy, Kyle Polk. How you doing, Kyle? I'm great, Wyatt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I've been so excited to get you on for a while. I just was kind of waiting on the right moment. And I, when we were working on the Friends record, I thought, yeah, Kyle would be good to have on for this. And I know you love that record. And I know that you uh, are a different, little bit different perspective on um, the Beach Boys music and recordings. You came into it in a different way than a lot of the listeners of the show and also kind of um, from a musician's perspective that is really interesting. But yeah, for those of you that, that don't know, I met Kyle playing in the Explorers Club. Um, he was in the band for a few years before me. And then I joined when, when Jason relocated to Nashville around 
2014, I think, and quickly uh, became a big fan of his as a person and a musician, and uh, still consider him one of my really good friends. And selfishly, I'm also having you on this show because I miss you and I wanted to talk to you. So thanks for doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned like kind of coming at this from a different perspective because certainly when we were talking about it, you were, you know, I was just thinking of all the big Beach Boy uh, historians and super fans. I don't necessarily know yeah. if I'm a super fan. I haven't read that really, um, I don't know, the really juicy book that you were reading um, mm. on the way to LA. Yeah, Heroes and Villains. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's probably required reading for any super fan. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, I, I definitely kind of came into it a little bit later. Um, certainly familiar with the band growing up. Um, you know, growing up, it took me a little while to kind of figure out what my thing was. And uh, once I kind of found out, you know, that like there's music out there, I kind of found my own thing. And, um, you know, quickly connected to the Beatles and the Beach Boys and the Supremes and the Spinners and the Drifters and all that music that was kind of playing down in the in the southeast where I grew up. Yeah, and yeah, you, you kind of grew up near the beach, which I did not get to do. So I think that does influence someone's music taste in some way, whether they know it or not. But um, when did you start playing drums? Was that your first instrument? Um, I think my first instrument was actually piano. Um mm. And that just kind of came the way of like, hey, there's a local piano teacher in town. Um, you know, my mom was like, my son's really interested in music. Um, I grew up in a very small town in the South, um, which I always think of, you know, the South as being a little behind the time. So, you know, whatever's hot in the happening cities, we're always, you know, on a 10 or 15 year delay, depending on where you're at. So a lot of the music I kind of grew up with, certainly being introduced from my mom was you know a lot of 60s and 70s music that kind of thought was maybe happening at the time I didn't hear a lot of modern stuff until i got to be a little bit older yeah i think i started playing drums when i was about 11 or 12 i actually got a drum set to play music uh with a good friend of mine we were in a band before i knew how to play drums so that was definitely an interesting path but i think it certainly informed you know my later years how I'd approach the instrument and you know just to basically serve the song you know I learned the song and then I was like okay I need to learn this instrument to be able to support this did you know about the explorers club like being in the in the Charleston area how did you meet those guys originally um yeah I knew they were out there um they had this like photo on on MySpace <laughs> mm -hmm. um and I remember seeing it and being like oh it's pretty interesting and I had a, another friend that I played in a band with one of my first bands I played in and he was a huge Beach Boys fan and he was like oh you got to check these guys out and um yeah I think I remember seeing them for the first time at a small like pizza pub and there's just like a lot of guys on stage a lot going on um it was really incredible you know I, I was really mm. intrigued by it and um then later on you know I was playing in a two-piece band um, just me and this other guy and, and we were doing some shows with the Explorers Club and I, I think uh, I kind of got brought in as a fill-in for one show and then next thing I know I was in the band for like seven or eight years. 
Yeah, I remember seeing, well, the first time I saw you guys, we booked some shows in the Northeast, and we, my band, Kurt Baker Band, um, we were playing some shows up there, and we met up with you guys to play a few shows, but it ended up just being the one in Hoboken. Um, and uh, I remember there were like nine people on stage, and I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. But then <laughs> it sounded really good, and like it was like a really different sound than I expected, but it was still really fun. And my one of my first things that I noticed was the drums, and I was like, man, like the drummer's so good, like this is awesome, like it's so tasteful, like you weren't bashing, you know, like a lot of drummers do. And um, it just kind of fit right in with the with the sound, even though there was a lot going on. And uh, I think we may have just like said hello that night, but um, I remember later on when Jason moved to Nashville and was like, "Oh, do you want to maybe join up with with me and Paul and 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 maybe Kyle if, if we keep doing Explorers Club and we might do some shows here and there?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure," not knowing that it would be like a you know whatever four or five year stint thought it would just be kind of a little little tiny thing that happened maybe a few times but i didn't know what the plan was and i don't think you you guys did either but um <laughs> as it goes we uh we made a really cool record and i was really happy about um getting to work with you in the studio and because i played bass and you were playing drums and we got to track live like the the, the bass and drums yeah and yeah. um as well as like a lot of the keyboards and guitars and stuff with with Mike and Paul who are now playing in Sail On, and um, I had never done that before really. Like I'd done some records where it was like you kind of do a scratch part in the studio on bass or guitar, and then you're really just trying to track drums. But we were tracking the whole band, and that record was done pretty much in the studio live, and then we overdubbed vocals and uh, a few other parts. But it was a kind of a chaotic and nerve wracking thing when the day would start and we had no clue like where the session was going to go but i remember like always being really pumped about it after after we would hear back what we ended up with you know yeah and uh you know as time goes on like i have more fond memories of those of those times than i do negative and um super um happy about how that record came out and just was so uh into your drumming on the record. And um, I, I know that we were trying to go for a Beach Boys sound, but it was kind of like a, an amalgamation of late 60s Beach Boys, early 70s Beach Boys with like a little bit of soul and maybe a little bit of psychedelia mixed in. It, like I said, it was kind of chaotic for me, but and, and also I was really uncomfortable at first, but thanks to you and Paul and, and, and Mike um, and Jason producing i felt like we kind of got into the groove like literally and figuratively with the process even though it was kind of like every couple months we'd go in for a few days but yeah any any comments or thoughts on that and we don't have to talk about you don't have to talk about yourself too much more i promise <laughs> um no i remember those times fondly as well and and i'm very proud of that record um it's it's taken me a little you know time to really think about it in retrospect but um, yeah, anytime I hear any of those songs, I'm really proud of what we were able to do. Um, every now and then I'll see like a photo on my phone of you laying on the floor playing bass in front of the kick drum, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you know, or, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'd done some recording, you know, with the Explorers Club before that in like a, a mm -hmm. bigger 
space, um, you know, trying to get more of that kind of Phil Spector type sound, um, yep. lots of reflections, and to be in a smaller space um, that was, you know, a little darker, a little warmer, a little drier. Um, it definitely felt like our space, and, you know, we were all together there, which is, um, I mean, very fitting for the name of that record, Together. You know, we yeah. made that record mm-hmm. together. Um, but, yeah, as far as some of those sounds, um, I, I think we were certainly using the record that we're talking about today as as somewhat of a North Star on that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, also just... Um, being a super fan of of those kind of dead drum sounds that don't take up a lot of space in the mix, but they can certainly kind of um, create a certain vibe or feel to, you know, everything else that's happening. Um, I certainly think kind of the way I came to music, you know, learning to play drums, to play to songs was, was helpful in, in my role in, the, in that band specifically because I mean, there's at any giving time, you know, at least two or three singers singing. So there was a lot of space that needed to be yeah. reserved. So, um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times it was just looking around the room and seeing what everyone was doing and, and trying to pull back and and just keep things moving. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it was just the area I grew up in the South or what, but I definitely was drawn to a lot of those, you know, older soul records. So it had, like you said, an amalgamation of different sounds. Um, folks, especially during those sessions, have often said that I have a little bit of a slower left hand, so I'll play a little bit behind the beat, which might not mm-hmm. be exactly what you would normally hear on a sunny California record. So, um, yeah, there's there were some things we were doing differently, but we definitely were, were trying to channel as much of some of those living room lo-fi sounds as we could. So we were kind of doing the Explorers Club thing. Like the first record was like a Beach Boys, I say, you know, in 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 a very kind way, like a fake Beach Boys album. And the second record that, that you got to work on, the Grand Hotel was more like like Phil Spector slash Burt Bacharach slash I don't know, lounge record. Sure. It was not as derivative of the Beach Boys, but there were some Beach Boys moments. Um and then the record that we made was kind of back into the Beach Boys world, and we were definitely looking to do something post Pet Sound sounding like. And so that was Friends was a was one that we all enjoyed, and um, we, like you said, kind of used that as the north star for like tones and and the the vibe of the record. And even if you look at the cover of the album, we were trying to go for that. Um, and Down to the release date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. 
and you listen to the record and there's a lot more like 70s Beach Boys stuff going on than there is Friends, I think. Like, I think as a whole, it's not. There's a lot of Love You in there. But there's a, there's some Love You and Holland in there too. And then a couple of, you know, like sunflowery tracks. But it was a fun, it was a fun record to make. And um, if you guys want to check it out, I think it's cool and think Beach Boys fans will like it. It's called Together. And obviously, we've gone separate ways with Jason since then. Jason's still doing the Explorers Club, and it's back on kind of more of a, I think, general 60s vibe as less Beach Boysy, but um, it's more of a um, solo project now than it, than it was before. But I feel like that record was a real group effort. We all put a lot into it, and it was a great way to, um, to get to know you guys because I, I had only been, you know, I only played a few shows with you when we started recording, maybe two. And then we just went right into the studio. Yeah, those relationships certainly deepened over those sessions. And and I'm very thankful for that. That was great. I will cherish those memories forever. But So I still get to play with Paul and Mike on a regular basis. They're in sale on. But I don't get to play with Kyle anymore. We did, though. There is a rumor that you played on an, um, a, uh, a new George Faulkner a Murray Wilson track. So uh, the listeners can look forward to that maybe in the near future. We'll see. Stay tuned. Um, before we get into uh, the Friends album, is there anything else that uh, you want to plug, like as far as like stuff that you've played on or like stuff that you have coming up um, or anything at all? I do remote drum recordings, which I enjoy. And that's taken up you know, pretty much the majority of my time since the start of the pandemic. And I've been able to make some fun records and we've been able to do some stuff together that we've kind of always wanted to do. So I'm still doing that. People can contact me. Um, that's called Unisphere recordings. I'm still kind of trying to find my way as far as promoting that. I just would rather mm. kind of make music in the dark. And if people want to get in touch with me, they can, <laughs> but that's not really the way the world works. So yeah, let's plug that. Hopefully we can make more music in the dark together. Yeah, that's a good name for a project: music in the dark. We should yeah. maybe we can bring some yeah. of that to light. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about this record? Yeah, let's talk about the Beach Boys and more specifically this record called Friends. We've been getting into in the podcast, and we've gone over all the sessions. We've given you all the information, but let's talk about how this record makes us feel like what our favorite things about it are, where uh, we are today with this record. And let's, uh, let's, let's break it down and then also rate the songs as we do, because people like that. I think it's probably my number three favorite Beach Boys record behind Pet Sounds and Love You. Friends is just a little sad, a little weird, and just really calming and makes me happy. If there's ever a time when... I'm feeling unsettled or like last night I've been working this whole week on a project on a, on a, an album for a client and I've been working like 12, 14 hour days. And like I, my brain is just in a, a state of, of overload and I could not get to sleep. And I was luckily like in, in thinking about what we were doing today, I put friends on and it, even though I was listening analytically and trying to think about things I wanted to talk about. It was just so calming that I just kind of fell asleep. 
it's similar to Pet Sounds. It's got like a very cohesive vibe, and well, until you get to <laughs> transcendental meditation, which is a co- controversial subject on this podcast. I don't, I don't want to get too into it. We'll talk about the song, but the, generally, the album as a whole is is such a it's such a great vibe for me. And um, let's go into the intro to the album, which is meant for you. I really enjoyed the longer version as well that we unearthed a few years ago, but this version is the one for me, and I'm glad that they cut it short. Um, and um, as an album, this is already so short, but I think it's just it's a great way to to kick things off. And it's an eight out of ten for me. I'm oh nice, big fan of this track. What do you think? So meant for you, obviously was first track i heard off this album and and you couldn't have said it better like it's such a like welcome to the the vibe of this record but not in a in a cheesy like mike love way that i would think of um i love that he's the you know the lead vocal on this um it's just like super tender and inviting um yeah definitely one of my favorite openers to a, a, a beach boys record um, I feel like that track puts me in a state of mind for the rest of the record. And um, it just feels like way more personable. Um, I, I know that this is like a super spiritual record in the grander sense. Um, so it, I don't know, it just feels very you know personal to me. And um, I'm going to throw it out right off the rip. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Coming in hot. Yeah, I like the puppy and the pony version too. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but this with that kind of fade out, I mean, I just it couldn't be better for me. Um, coming to music from a like, what can I add to this? What can I take away from this type standpoint? Like, it's just a perfect track for me. It's great. I'm, I think some days it's like I want this to be my alarm. You know, I want that that organ to come in and I just <laughs> I just want that to be the start of my day. Maybe I'll change my alarm to this song. But it, it I wouldn't wake up. That's the problem. You know, go from this into um transcendental meditation. That oh, should gosh. be my alarm. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a a be here now kind of kind of vibe. It just mm-hmm. it brings you into the moment whatever that moment is. Um cuz we're of course going to going to listen to this record in different settings, but I don't know. It just it hits me right in the feels. Yeah. Big fan of that one. Next up is the title track and the first and only single released from this album, Friends, uh, credited to Brian, Dennis, Carl, and Al. Kind of a unique track on this record. It's kind of the most like Beach Boise song, which I guess is why they released it as a single. Um, the The most lush vocal arrangement and... Um, the instruments are really, you know, thought out and, and fleshed out. Um, it's a it's a fantastic song. I love it. I love I love the lyrics. They're really personal and also really like kind of funny and quirky and just um, makes me smile. I love it. I love the we drift apart for a little bit of a spell. One night I get a call and I know that you're well. Like that's just such a great line. I just always think about that. You know, it's just about what it means to be friends, and these guys have been friends now for a long time, and you and you kind of get the feeling, like whether it's you know manufactured or not, that 
you're you're listening to these dudes singing about um, their their own friendship and their own relationships as as brothers and family members and friends. So huge fan. This is the only song on the record that um, Bruce Johnston likes, which is funny. I give it a uh, nine out of ten. It's fantastic. It's, it's about as it's about as good as this um, era gets for me. Yeah, um, the instrumentation on it's really great. Um, I love the brushes, the, the kind of three four time, which is a little unusual, you know. And mm-hmm. is that is yeah. that bass harmonica that's kind of rattling through there? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like so that you know, kind of offering some different textures, and then some of the quirkier instrumentation on the second half. Um, I don't know. I think they do what they do best on that track, and, and a lot of people kind of come to the Beach Boys as uh, you know, who are our age and, and a little bit younger, of hearing them as one thing and then listening closer, and it's like the, it mm-hmm. kind of flips. And there's certainly a depth, um, like the. When they sing, you know, let's be friends three times or whatever, you know, the first time, let's be friends, let's be friends. And then when that third one hits, it's the same words, but there's a complexity there with the arrangement and also like what's being said that kind of breaks down that wall a little bit. And it's like, okay, this is, Mm -hmm. this is a, an intimate song about friendship. And, um, that, that's what I love the most about Beach Boy, the Beach Boys music, um, because it certainly can be background music um, from my childhood. And and then to kind of lean in a little bit, always find these little gems. And and yeah, for that for me, same, uh, 9 out of 10. Great track. Like I said, they released this as a single. And such a good song. It's such a weird situation. It just totally bombed. Like it was not a well-received single in the summer of 1968. It reached uh, 47 in the U.S. and then 25 in the U.K. So they still had a little more more momentum in England than they did in America, but still not great. And um, they quickly, you know, followed up uh, with a non-album single after this record came out. They came out with "Do It Again," yeah, um, which we'll get into at a different time. But it's just uh, it's just such a weird bummer that this record and this this song did so poorly i mean 47 is okay but like for the beach boys that's probably a pretty big blow to them and their um their label and to brian's confidence which was already on the way down i'm sure but um i I don't know i feel like if you sit down like five people or or whatever sort of you know panel of folks you want to like pull on this this is certainly like friends uh the track is certainly one like you want to have a little bit of a like let me let me talk to you about it before i hit play you know it's not one where you can just yeah. like all right i'm gonna hit play and and you're gonna get it um it it takes a little while i mean the whole record takes a little while but um it's interesting that you know that was the single um it's not odd to me that it, it did not perform as well compared to others just in the in the big scheme of themes but it is truly a great track. Yeah. Yeah, I lo- I love it so much. I love the I just I just love the the sound of it and, and I love everything about it. I love the the uh, the stereo panning on that track is just really pleasing to me. So next up is Wake the World, which I love 
that Brian and Al wrote this together. And um, I think it was obviously mostly Brian, but it's cool to see a track that was a collab between those two guys. Um, and again, kind of a bouncy, you know, it has like a, a, a swing or shuffle feel to it. There's a lot of triple triple time, you know, three, four, six, eight swing type stuff at this point in the Beach Boys career. It's really interesting. Um, but just a really interesting arrangement, the way it works. It's not necessarily like a normal like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's like verse, interlude, verse, chorus. You know, it's like a weird... <laughs> It's a weird yeah. song in that way. And um, those interludes are so like introspective sounding, you know. And I don't yeah, they're kind of kind of creepy. They're yeah. kind of like smiley smileish in a way. But they're then you get you know the really nice pretty chorus, and then it's just a it's such a short song, and just it it feels like it could have gone on or had another section or. It's just it's just a strange arrangement, but really, really pretty song. Great, you know, horn part on the chorus and obviously the strings and Brian's his piano and it's another one of those songs that's really descriptive and that has that sort of like introduction vibe to it. It could have been like the first track. Um and like I was thinking about this record, you know, like the like I'm going through the day with this record, like on the back of the record, it's like the sunset. So like wake the world is like the beginning. And then by the end, it's, you know, you're, you're going to sleep at the end of the album, but it, it's interesting. It's, I don't know if they planned anything, anything like that out, but conceptually, but um, yeah, I give it um, an eight out of 10. I really love this track. And I, I think about it. Uh, whenever I think about this record, this is one of those like, kind of frenzy tracks that I always think about really kind of intimate and a little strange, really sweet. And, um, yeah, great track. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there and, and certainly said a lot of the things that I would say about it. Um, I, I love the piano sounds, you know, it, it sounds like piano being played in the living room. It's very inviting. Um, and just the the genesis of that, like for me, wondering how this song kind of was put together and then arranged, um, you know, with some of those introspective sounds, it was like sections that are almost cinematic. Um, they remind me of like early Disney movies, you know, <laughs> when you have that, mm -hmm. those, you know, here comes the villain. So there's certainly yeah. more going yeah. on there than just that lighthearted piano and, and the refrain at the end. But um yeah, I like to think a lot about sequencing as well, as far as like where the track hits on the record. But um, yeah, I don't know how intentional that was. I mean, enough time has passed. I feel like this is like looking at a collection of paintings and, you know, we've figured out ways for our brains to create a, a narrative that, that puts it together for us. But um, I love where it hits on the record. It, it certainly kind of lets you know that you're, you're going to get a little ups and you're going to get some downs. Um so, yeah, uh, I think I think it's a little maybe foreshadowing, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. of what's to come. Um, but yeah, eight out of ten, great track, love it. Awesome, yeah, 
this album starts off so strong, man. It's just like, I, I love it. It's, it's, yeah, it really is. It's like just one after another. Um, the next track is Be Here in the Morning. Um, again, it's another like shuffle feel or swing, whatever you would call it. Yeah, it's... Um, I wonder if that was like an intentional thing just to kind of mm-hmm. take it away from what was typically on the radio. More, yeah. you know, 4-4 four, four tracks. It's uncommon. Um, interesting choices. Yeah, so this track is uh, another one credited to the entire band basically Bruce not included but Brian Dennis Carl Mike and Al it's mostly it's obviously a Brian track um, and I love I said it on the other episode but for so long I thought that this was Brian singing the lead um, but it's Al it's Al doing kind of a Brian impression almost but she's kind of the chameleon in the group um it sounds so good though. Like I love the I love Al's vocal on this, um, and then obviously the other the other dudes are in there. But I love the the lyrics on this. I love the the vibe. It's kind of got that silliness that Brian was was known for at this time, and it's kind of the matter of factness of the of the lyrics and kind of strange. Um, it's pretty great. I love the vibe of that, and then. Um, kind of has like a little bit of a Hawaiian feel too, you know, with that little wordless intro kind of harkens back to a little pad. Um, again, such a short song. Every song on this record is fairly short outside of Diamond Head, but, and then Dennis's vocal doing that wordless part is just so great. It's just like, yeah, got such a soulful sound to his voice. And this was before you even really get to, you know, Dennis being Dennis on this record, but He's uh, he's coming into his own with his voice, but what a great song! I I uh, I really do like it a lot. Got no real criticisms for it, but it's just you know one of the lesser songs on this record as a whole for me, and I still like it a lot. It's a seven for me. Yeah, um, it is interesting that it is that kind of three quarter like waltz time, mm-hmm. and and that. You know, friends is that way, and a few others, and um, mm. I don't know. It's it's the lyrics are really interesting to me on this track, and and a few later, um, I I just remember like one of the first times hearing it, you know, thinking like, okay, where are the Beach Boys during this time period? I know this is like a very spiritual record, and um, it's just like very matter of fact, like the. I lit all my incense and I wish you were home. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's, that seems like such a, um, kind of zany on the nose. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a very introspective person, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it's just cataloging probably something that was happening. And, and that was certainly happening at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, same. It's interesting. We, we agree on a lot of these, uh, seven for me. <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know it's like I've, i feel like maybe there'll be a surprise or two on this record we'll see but i've i like pretty much all these songs i'm a big there's no there's no duds on the record for me but um a big surprise it's one of my favorite beach boys records and i like every song on it it's um it's short and sweet and there's no there's no filler 
Yeah, I mean the the start of this track seems like it's going to be a really weird one, mm-hmm. you know, and then it kind of like comes on. I mean that would be probably the only reason I'd say seven. Um, I, I have patience. I, obviously, I'll listen for the song to blossom, <laughs> but uh, for for you know a first time listener, um, it it is a little bit of a what am I listening to? What what's happening here? Um, so yeah, that would be the only reason I'd, I'd give it a seven. Yeah. All right, up next is When a Man Needs a Woman. And here's, you know, Brian getting really excited about having a son. Uh, Did not have a son. He had (laughs) a daughter. And he had two daughters, just like you, Kyle Polk. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So uh, even though Brian was uh, nowhere near the dad that you are, in my opinion, um, and, but he was really looking forward to having a kid. I think it was just kind of like, you know, in his mind, he just was, oh yeah, I'd like to have a little, little son. And, but he was, it's a really sweet song. I think, um, you know, and then it's interesting. He's like talking to his unborn son saying like, when the two get together, oh, ha, ha, you know, he does a little thing. It's like, well, yeah, maybe, it's odd you to know, say to an unborn child. <laughs> that's where it gets a little bit too much but it's a sweet song i think and um i like the uh the kind of silly again here we are another bouncy kind of shuffle time type thing um great backing vocals great vocal from brian such a it's and he's got like a nice soft falsetto on this that he's using on the on the chorus i love it um but yeah it's a seven for me what do you think yeah, um, it's a sweet, kind of innocent folk song, you know? And it, it has that light, bouncy top, and then kind of starts to chug along a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, lyrically, sometimes I wonder, like, is this just what's happening, or is this kind of an attempt to include, you know, some of that, like, more deeper side of, of who he is to folks? I, I don't really know. Um, it's interesting. Obviously, I'm I'm a dad, and I have yeah a couple of uh, offspring myself, and I remember like being a musician and having a MacBook, and my wife being pregnant, and kind of writing some things to my kids, and how you know who I would view them as as reading it would often change. You know, like okay, I'm talking to a baby. I'm talking to them mm. as a. a teenager you know or them as an adult so i mean perhaps this was that and um the uh uh-huh parts yeah are a little Mm -hmm. a little maybe off color um seemingly but i think it's just part of the the sweet innocent aspect of it it's just like you know and and i was also going to mention you know something about carney but you kind of already hit that um with it being about his son not knowing that he was actually going to have a daughter well i think like it does have like Dennis does have a writing credit on this one, so I think that might have been Dennis's contribution. The ah ha ha part. I'm yeah, just gonna it guess. Sounds like something he would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder if like entering a session and hearing a song, like, oh, this is about a man needing a woman. Like, let me just go ahead and add that ah ha ha. So exactly. But um, yeah, I did seven as well. Um, nice, it's a cool song. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think about like 
I mean, it's a, there's a reason why I really love this record, and I feel like it kind of chronicles, um, you know, what's happening for them or whatever they're trying to say. But also, I feel like, you know, with any great piece of art, you can see yourself throughout. And mm. I, I, it takes me back to some of those early memories of knowing a baby's on the way, it's exciting, you know. I don't know. I think they they did a good job of capturing that. Awesome. Well, let's move on to um, Passing By, which I've talked about a lot. It's one of my favorite Beach Boys instrumentals, and I guess it is probably my favorite Beach Boys instrumental, even though it has vocals. There, there's no lyrics. Yeah. Um, not yet, anyway. We'll get some lyrics later, but for now, this is a wordless song. And uh, I absolutely love it. I love this song so much that it feels a little silly as much as I listen to it. I, it's one of those songs where Spotify, it would like do the like list of like songs that you listen to every year or whatever. It was like this, you listen to these songs the most. And for like three or four years in a row, like Passing By was in the top five like, songs that I listened to. I'm like, man, I got to find more music to listen to i gotta stop listening to passing by so much but i just put in all these playlists that you know songs that i can listen to for all these different reasons and passing by has so many different places and and experiences that i've tied to it that because partially because i guess it is wordless and you can kind of you know make it your own thing I, i listen to it when i'm going on walks or listen to it when I'm in when I'm driving and I listen to it when I'm just at home cooking uh, it's just one of those songs that I just can't get rid of it's one that it's like puts me in a trance almost soft spot for this song I, I give it a 9 out of 10 nice yeah um, I, I love this instrumental um, with the little you know snare drags and um, mm-hmm. hand drums um, it is you know it's kind of it puts me in a trance as well. It's just like such a complex track. Um, I, I love that these little instrumentals are, are throughout here um, on the on the album. And I don't know, I feel like that song in particular is one I remember kind of going back to our earlier conversation. Um, I feel like it really informed a lot of my approach on Together because um, there is a certain academic sound to it. Um, more so than than some of the other songs i guess because it's an instrumental and you know the instruments can take up more space in the mix um but uh yeah it's it's really great i really really dig the drums a lot on that and the the hand drums in the back just really kind of support what's going on um same nine nine out of ten yeah man love it and it it does feel really nice like after all these kind of like shuffly triplet feel songs to have like this kind of plotting march like rhythm on this yeah it's certainly more driving Mm -hmm. yeah i always feel like it's kind of like an infomercial for friends like if yeah if that was jamming and and the like the titles of each track were like scrolling i'd be like yeah check that record out yeah man let's move on to Lee the healer um so now mike is back from rishikesh and this is one of my favorite Mike Love vocals of all time. It's so good. It's just like so, yeah. You can tell how relaxed he is and really simple track, really 
piano kind of pounding out the rhythm and it's a really simple percussion and like a really the bass is almost acting like percussion for most of the song too it's very percussive Um, and then just love the lyrics I love the some people like said this was like kind of sexual or something but I don't get that at all I think it's I mean it's about a real it's it's about a real person and um it's uh I think it's really earnest and I really love it. It's a fun song and I think it's unique. It's like a really uh, different vibe for Mike for sure. I love hearing it. I want want more of this. Meant for you and Anneli Mike is like so good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, eight out of ten for me. It's just more greatness. I love it. Yeah, I mean I, I love this track. This this might be other than meant for you, like my favorite track on the record. Mm. Um, it, the way you always had passing by on your, you know, Spotify or whatever. This would that that would be how Annalie the Healer would be for me. I listen to it all the time, um, so much that I think my family really hates it, to hear it because they hear it all the time. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned like the kind of like sexual undertone i'd never really thought about that um i just think it's a really catchy song i like the kind of call and response keyboard parts or the the piano parts at the beginning um the soothing harmonies on the chorus um i don't know it's a great track um i actually gave it nine out of ten uh moving on let's get into the little dennis section of the album first time we get to hear dennis as a writer and and um, these two songs are both so cool and so Dennis. Uh, Little Bird is the first one, and um, written um, with his friend Stephen Kalinich. And Brian, obviously, we know he wrote a good portion of this, especially after hearing the Smile Sessions, but um, he was not credited, which is a really sweet thing, I think. I think Brian was just really excited for Dennis and wanted to wanted him to stand on his own as a writer and, and kind of gifted him uh, the kind of the, the B section of this or the C section, whatever it is of this song um, and uh, but it's so great, I mean it works like it, it all feels like it, it's part of the same cohesive uh, piece um, in different movements and again it's like a Dennis has a way of writing in like these weird odd time phrases like like three measures here two measures then like three and then five and stuff like that which is like so weird and there's a lot of there's some weird rhythmic stuff on this album but Dennis the way he writes and the way he plays piano and all these things it's very unique it's very un-Brian and it's really cool to hear in the context of a Beach Boys album I always love hearing Dennis's songs um, again, one of the more fleshed out tracks on this record, thanks to Brian, I think. Um, great playing, great singing from Dennis, um, and then great horns, and obviously the, the rhythm section is great, um, but still feels really intimate. Dennis's single track vocal and kind of soulful performance, it's great, and it's just really, I wish I could have been there to hear this record for the first time and hear Dennis have a song on a record for the first time. Um, 
it's a um it's an eight out of ten for me. I like this song a lot. Yeah, um it's a great feel all around. Like it, it has such a like soul to it, you know, with his vocal and then the mm-hmm. feel itself is probably not something I've heard on a Beach Boys song. It's very unusual to have such a groove on it. Um, and especially where it hits on the record coming out of, um, you know, like when a man needs a woman, I mean, all those tracks mm. have such a different feel and then Annalise, so, you know, light and moving. And then it just comes in like almost, it almost feels like it's halftime of the whole record. Um, and it's got that really nice groove to it. Um, yeah. and the song just kind of starts really simple and, and then gets more complex. Like, I guess you Maybe the C-section, I was kind of thinking like three yeah. quarters of the way through when the the drums really kind of take it into another direction with the, the double time feel. Um, mm-hmm. It just makes it seem maybe more urgent. It's a cool song. It To me, it's kind of a standalone track. Like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like anything else on the record in a really cool way. But I, I certainly feel like it deserves its place on the record. My opinion on that may change as we get <laughs> later into the tracks. Did you give it a rating? You know, um, eight, yeah, eight. Awesome. Yeah, we're pretty right. We're pretty aligned on this. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. We got a couple controversial <laughs> tracks coming up. Uh, yeah. So still with with Dennis, this one is uh, very different. This is "Be Still," really, really short track. Um, just Dennis and Brian live in the studio Brian on the organ um, I love Dennis's vocal on this it's just so good it's so pure and it's such a sweet sweet lyric I love it man it's just it's this fits perfectly in this record it's like the the, the sentiment I think is is exactly in line with this with the vibe of this record um, and I Again, this is a song that I, I listen to a lot when I'm feeling overwhelmed or if I'm um, trying to clear my mind. This is a great song for that. And the lyrics speak for themselves. It's a song about meditation, a song about letting yeah. go of, of everything and just observing and and breathing and you know cliches of meditation and, and and inner peace and harmony but i think it's very it's very earnest genuine and it works and it's i think it, it's one of those songs that the the lyrics and the music are in, intertwined and you couldn't have done anything else on this it just needed to be what it is and and uh it's a it's an awesome song. I love it. Uh, eight out of ten. Cool. So, um, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful song about simple principles. Um, but man, it it just has such an impact on me when I listen to it. Um, it's certainly a track that I've listened to um, similarly in different times, and even though some of those things can feel really cliche of like. Um, you know, every conscious breath is a meditation and um, be here now and all those sorts of things. I think this really kind of embodies that kind of spiritual vibe that need that is interwoven throughout the whole record. And mm-hmm. it just kind of appears in this little vignette 
um, much how I feel like my day goes at, at times. Um, you know, I usually don't have a long uh, morning routine, nightly routine, middle of the day routine where I can do something that's going to help my overall blood pressure or my overall outlook on life. So it just kind of hits at a perfect time. I love that it's short. I love that it's kind of a vignette. Um, very much to me feels as impactful as, um, you know, the opener of the, of the album. Uh, again, swung for the fences on this one. 10 out of 10. Awesome. I knew you liked this song a lot. We talked about it before. Um, it's It's great. And it's one of the songs that, you know, I think a lot of people turn to in the same way. I think it's it's kind of an anthem for uh, peace of mind. But move on to um, another one of my favorites, Busy Doing Nothing. Again, Brian kind of spreading his, his wings a little bit here, getting into some new sounds and feels and a little bit of a bossa nova vibe yeah. and a great kind of matter of fact lyric very specific and on the nose brian wilson lyric uh, and i love so much and i think about this song a lot and it's great to get to see brian do this song when, when he uh, he was touring a few years back uh, such a unique Beach Boys song. There's not another Beach Boys song like this. It's just so cool, so special, but it still feels very Beach Boys somehow. Yeah, I love so much about this song. I love the lyrics. I love the the playing. Is it Jim Gordon on drums? Gene Pello on drums. Ah, okay. So yeah, it's a different vibe for sure. Lyle Ritz is playing bass. Alvis Gobo is on acoustic guitar. And there's triangle and maraca and uh, Roxy chord. Obviously, it's like flutes and clarinet, but man, such a great studio group, and um, yeah, it's just Brian and Marilyn, and I think Diane is on the backing vocals too. So cool. Like, it's just such a great slice of life, as they say, from Brian, with the directions to his house, and I heard that he originally had it a little bit more specific, and that somebody like recommended that he change a line or two because it was like too literally the way to get to Bryant's house um I just I just love it again you've got kind of the callback to um to friends where it says lately I've been thinking about a good friend I'd like to see more of I think I'll make a call and then he goes through this whole thing I, I wrote a number down but I lost it <laughs> I sat down and concentrated it and then slowly it came to me so it's like kind of back on the meditation thing like and then calls his friend no one answers so he just starts writing a letter yeah, I just love I just love how it just goes on this little adventure with Brian like I don't know it's so funny it's just it's just so sweet it's perfect yeah yeah I, I love it so much and, and getting to getting to see Brian do this live was like a highlight for me one of the best live memories I have of Brian um, but that's yeah that's great that you got to see him play that live <laughs> yeah. yeah it was such a treat I was like so pumped about it I never thought that would happen um, they did Diamond Head too which is so weird so random but um, yeah it's a 9 out of 10 for me I thought about giving this a 10 out of 10 but 
I don't know. Like I, I feel like I I reserve ten out of ten for like the absolute top of the top, and this sure. is like almost there. This is like almost at the top, but it's it's not. It's just a. It's kind of just a Brian Wilson solo song. There's like no other Beach Boys on it, so it's hard for me to give it a ten. But I'm gonna give it a nine. I may regret that. I, I'm the same way. I was thinking, like, what should be a 10, what shouldn't? And there's so much material. Um, but luckily, we are just talking about this record today, so I could kind of go for it. Um, love the track. Bossa Nova feels great. Mm. Um, certainly kind of mimic that feel on a lot of tracks. Um, I think the thing that's really alluring about this whole record to me is that it does have, like, it sounds like a record, you know, that, that could have been made in the living room. Um it has um, some very simple parts, but then other parts are a little bit more complex. I mean, this sounds like what we would expect from like a Brian Wilson arrangement. Um, got a lot of cool things going on, but it still has that lower um, fidelity. Um, I'm such a private person, <laughs> and, and I believe you to be the same. So it is very interesting. I, I would assume that um, I would never write a song like that um, as far as the directions yeah. go. Um, but it is, again, just kind of like, I feel like it's the way that my eight-year-old would write a song, you know, just mm -hmm. very um, trusting. I, I don't know the best word for it. Um, like a very earnest naivety to it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's got a really sweet feel to it. Um, I love it. Uh, nine, definitely give it a nine. I was hoping you weren't going to give it a 10. That would have made me look no, silly. Not for me. <laughs> I mean, and, and for me, like there's drums on it. I'm a drummer, whatever. Yeah. That's great. The drums mm -hmm. are great. But the, the two tracks that I gave tens to, which that might be like crazy, you know, on a record, but there's a reason why it's my favorite record. Um, sure. They don't have drums at all on them. And they don't need drums on them. And if someone sent me those tracks, I would l hope that I'd have the, you know, the the knowledge or the the fortitude to say like these tracks don't need anything. They're so great as is, and they're so meaningful to me and and so personable to me. So um, yeah, I think it kind of transcends you know what's you know a single or a ripper you know, but yeah. It's a great track. So we're getting into kind of the the controversial part of the album here. The way this album finishes up is kind of strange, but of course it is. It's it's got to be. It's uh, Diamond Head and Transcendental Meditation. So Diamond Head is there's no Beach Boys on it. It's just the studio dudes jamming, you know, and that's. You know, it's it's really interesting. I, I don't know. They obviously had other songs at the time that they had recorded and worked on, but they decided to include this as a track. And um, they were definitely going for something. And I'm not sure completely what it was or what Brian's you know headspace was when it comes to this, but it's such a different, obviously very different Beach Boys song. But it's probably the low point of the album for me, and I still really enjoy this track. I enjoy hearing it. Like I said, I got to see Brian's band do it, and that was really awesome. And I love hearing like the 
the spring reverbs just like going nuts i just think that's such a great yeah you know kind of like the sound of of thunder and it was just such a cool way to get that effect and again it's like it reminds me of the back cover of the album where it's like you're on the beach um and you're you know you're maybe like winding down the day like watching the sunset maybe enjoying some flavors and um you're just getting ready to to call it a day and that's kind of what i feel about this track and i i like this song a lot i just don't think it's uh it's, it's not one of my favorites and it's probably a six out of ten for me and that's still good but it's just hard to rate this song because it's not really a beach boys song you know i don't know i feel a little differently about it um the the reverb tanks kind of going off at the beginning to me is certainly kind of like a tip of the cap to musicians you know like we all know that sound um we've all like been trying to get gear like put in the right spot and hear that sound so I immediately, you know, recognize it as that, but I see that there's some sort of like conceptual thing happening. They're trying to create some sort of, uh, I don't know, transition from songs to maybe this more um, artistic statement. I mean, the fact that they chose this bit of sound to be on the record, it's a Beach Boy song yeah. for me. And, and I'm not going to like argue art for art's sake, but I, I, I don't know. I just think it, it's a really cool kind of, color that they chose to paint with here towards the end of the record and you know coming out of that busy doing nothing um mindset and the feel of that to this where it's a lot more disjointed um there's no real like urgency of anybody to do anything um when we come out of that reverb kind of sound it goes into like I don't know, it kind of feels like we're taken into a dream world or something with these ocean sound effects. And then you got that like nice twangy, uh, I guess like a lap steel or pedal steel or whatever. Um, to me, it feels like drifting off to sleep, you know, uh, at a beach or something. So it certainly represents something that I want to see in music. And I was happy to see it on a record from 1968. So, um, there are a lot of bands that I enjoy now that save space on their recordings for things like this. And I think this, you know, is a great um, example of that. I gave it a seven. I think it's a cool track. Yeah, I do enjoy this track a lot. It's just um, so hard to, you know, stack it next to other Beach Boys songs, I guess. I never skip it. I love I love. I love this record start to finish and I do and we'll get into it now but Transcendental Meditation is kind of my least favorite you know kind of track on this but it's still good I still like it I just wish that it was maybe I went to sleep you know which I know they didn't record yet but I think that song would be perfect for the for this record it has the same feel and all that stuff but Maybe I'll do an alternate Friends album for, or an alternate 1968 album. Do that. That'll be fun. I need to do that. Yeah. But yeah, the, so Transcendental Meditation, the last uh, track on the album, very short album, but um, this song is just like, it, it's so weird, punches you in the face, like with like, meditate now, this is it, this is what it's about, meditation, you know, it's like. I've been told that it makes perfect sense, so 
I'm just gonna go with that. But I'm not as big of a fan of this song as a lot of people. I think there's a bit of humor involved in this from Brian, and I think that he was also kind of, you know, getting into trying new styles and and using musicians in a different way. So I'm into it. I love the track. I think it's cool. I just think it's um, it's an it's an interesting choice for the end of a record like this, and um, I give it a six out of ten. Not bad at all, but I definitely think it's my least favorite track on the record. Yeah, it it kind of hits you like a hammer. Um, it's like a heavy metal track, you know. Um, the horns blaring. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like if there's something to be said with it. Um, this is kind of like the the stress or the distractions that um, make transcendental meditation uh, necessary. You know, sure. Um, yeah. This is the kind of thing that that we're battling. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little uh, it's a very stark juxtaposition of the lyrics and that like really intense um, instrumental. Uh, coming in there with it but I don't know like coming out of like Diamond Head like it's just like the whole record just kind of takes a turn I mean and there's only one track for it to take a turn but in a lot of ways if if I could I wouldn't put it on the record I would just end Mm -hmm. at Diamond Head because I do like those kind of um, I don't know aleatoric sounds Um, right but I don't know It's, it's an interesting track for sure I think if a record started with this, it would be cool. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, I th- I think the fact that we're comparing it to other tracks on this record, in context with this record, where it is on the on the um, the track listing, and then again, like all of this, you've got like the entire library of the Beach Boys, kind of weighing you down um, on your you know looking over your shoulder. So you have to kind of make a decision based on that, and, and I. I certainly did. I, I gave it a six, but mm-hmm. um, it's a cool track, but I could do without it, I think. Sure. It's my lowest number. I feel like a lot of people have figured out a place for this song on the record, and I just still am not sure that it, I'm not I'm not completely on board with it. It's the one, it's one of those things keeping this album from being like, you know, my favorite Beach Boys record. It's just not. It's just not quite as complete as I think Pet Sounds is, or even Love You. But yeah, so the album as a whole, man, it's so good. I'm such a big fan of this record. Like everybody knows, I've always loved it from the day that I heard this record. And then it's kind of been. I mean, I I feel like it's climbed my personal Beach Boys chart a lot over the years, and especially for the for the functionality of it for me like the being able to turn to this album whenever i need to to kind of calm my nerves and uh recenter and kind of take take me away a little bit but um i give the album an 8 out of 10 as a whole it's a it's a kind of an extension of pet sounds to me in a lot of ways it's like a the next um the next great brian wilson record since we didn't get smile what do you think i love this record i don't feel the need to compare it to other records it, it i've never mm-hmm. really thought about it in comparison to pet sounds as if one I, I don't know if i feel the same way that you feel about it 
compared to Pet Sounds because Pet Sounds is so such a like singular record for me. Um, I mean, Transcendental Meditation is like the only, you know, we're talking about like filler track or just track that I, I would probably not listen to every single time. Everything else I really love to hear, but I, I guess I enjoy that that decision was made and it all kind of makes up for a whole, like I have to think about this piece of music along with all other pieces of music that are very meaningful to me. And that's things that are, you know, mm -hmm. post 1968. And there's a lot of stuff that I listen to currently that has, you know, kind of a, a more of a starker um, juxtaposition between stuff like that. So I, I enjoy that, that this in some ways may have paved the way for some of that. Um, mm -hmm. I gave it like an 8.83. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's hard to say it's a nine, mm -hmm. but it's a really great record. Um, I don't know. It, it's I've always thought of it as a spiritual album, and I certainly feel like it's the kind of album that I can like pick and choose which songs I want to listen to. But there's so many little sections of, of this album that, you know, kind of remind me of a certain time period in life. Um, we were certainly jamming this album a lot in the studio uh, when we were making, you know, together. So, like, there's a lot, you know, intertwined with that. But, um, yeah, overall, as close as you can get to, to nine without getting your eyeballs wet. Awesome. Well, I mentioned the back cover, but I, I realized I didn't really mention the, the artwork of the of the front cover that was done by David McMacken. Really awesome uh, illustration of the boys kind of in a, a you know psychedelic landscape. It's just interesting. It's a really beautiful cover and one of my favorite Beach Boys album covers. And I think it's very appropriate for the record. I think it fits really well. I mean, it's hard to separate it now that, you know, when you see it over and over again and you listen to a record, it's like, I think the visual aspect of any album becomes so intertwined with the music. For me, it does. Like when I see the album cover or when I hear the music, I think about the album cover. Yeah, I think the first time I saw the album cover and saw Mike in the cowboy hat and all the faces in the cloud and I got to Diamond Head, like I, I kind of just felt like I was on this like, wild ride it was really hard for me to remember where all that the album had taken me by the time i got to to diamond head i felt like i was having kind of like a david lynch moment or something it was just very hard to put together but the more i listened to it you know everything does have its place and it, it all works so great together um i love that this this album exists i'm always stoked to talk about it and i'm i'm happy that you took the time to do this today so i appreciate that and i'm uh, looking forward to hopefully getting to hang in the future mandy and i discussed coming down for her fall break coming down to charleston to hang for a few days oh that'd be rad thanks again man i, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and i look forward to, to hanging in the future I'm, I'm, I'm sure that we'll make some more music in the future too i'm excited yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. Always stoked to talk friends with such a good friend. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we can make some more music in the future. Come on now,
Say goodbye to all the snow. Come on. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I reached out to you guys for some questions on social media, and I got some good ones, so let's knock out a couple of these right now. How about that? Let's go to Discord first, which is an awesome chat room that we have. Go check that out. It's uh, linked in the show notes. First off, from Lord Copping, he says, how are you? Wow. I like that question. I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well. Um, my lord. Next up, we have what would your 1985 to 1992 Brian Wilson Beach Boys playlist look like? That's from Dave. Well, hey, Dave. If you're including Brian's solo album, I think it would be an interesting mix of songs, but otherwise, I just would use the 85 Beach Boys album. I really like that album. Up next, from our very own Will Crera. Do you repent for your island girl opinions? And more importantly, why did I start liking it after you said that? Did you do this? Good. Good. And next up is The Lightbringer. What's your biggest expectation concerning the Sail on Sailor box set and your biggest fear concerning the content and how it's presented? Well, I don't know what to expect. Honestly, like there's some chance that there's some completely unheard of gems in the vault. But I don't know. I'm trying to like keep my expectations low. Um, love to hear cleaner versions of all the bootlegged material. And my biggest fear is that the uh, the mastering won't be great. I'll just leave it at that. That's my biggest fear. Uh, next up, since the pod... Okay, this is from Willow Jarston. Since the pod is presently in 1968, if you could see the six band members play live, all healthy and practiced up, What three songs from their catalog would you want to see them play? Order is important here. Very important. No honorable mentions, just three songs. You mean songs from 1968? Probably Friends, um, Busy Doing Nothing, and Time to Get Alone. I'll, I'll just go with those. This one is from Telephone Backgrounds on a Clear Day. When looking through the catalog, is the transition from Holland to 15 big ones really that apparent to you? Or does the juxtaposition between the early 70s material to the mid-late 70s material seem natural? A question that I think about myself, and I'm asking for your personal take on it, and your opinion on the difference in similarities you do or don't see. feel like I'm asking for a final essay assignment. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you could spend a whole podcast talking about that, and we will talk about it a lot, but... Um, I think the biggest difference is that Brian kind of stepped away in the early 70s and the band had to mature and grow in the studio without Brian um, and mostly really wonderfully. Um, And then due to the band's commercial decline, they had to kind of reinvent their identity and become kind of a nostalgia act. Um, Just really like barely you know 10 years into their career pretty wild but um that's what i think was the big difference and then when they did 15 big ones i think that was a big reason 
they did a lot of old kind of rock and roll songs because um, they were kind of like this rock and roll revival act all of a sudden. Um, and that kind of bought them a little more time and, uh, and it got Brian a little bit more excited and that resulted in Love You and MIU and et cetera. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it at that. There's a lot more that can be said about that and look forward to getting into that era on the pod in the next couple of years. Uh, one more from Discord from Jeremy Hoffman. What's up, buddy? When you're playing with Sail On, what's the Beach Boys song you'd love to play that would leave your audiences completely bemused? Well, we play a couple that aren't necessarily fan favorites at a lot of our shows. Like We play Heroes and Villains, and that sometimes confuses people. Um, I mean, personally, I'd love to play like anything from like Surf's Up or Holland or that era. I think it would be awesome to do kind of the California saga. be a lot of fun to put together. And yeah, people would probably be really confused. All right, let's go over to the sale on Instagram. That is sale on sounds on Instagram. Pretty easy to find. Um, I got a bunch of questions. Some of them I don't know how serious they are. But um, regardless, let's let's jump in there. Uh, let's see. The first one is from Paul Eric Manns. Rank all the Beach Boys albums worst to best. Well, I'm not going to do that completely right here on the spot, but I will tell you my favorites are Pet Sounds, Love You, and Friends, and Today, and Sunflower. And then my least favorites are Summer in Paradise, Carl and the Passions, Surfing USA, and um, that's why God made the radio. Uh, Joe G007 says, Smiley Smile, Brian Wilson Presents Smile, or The Smile Sessions? Uh, the Smile Sessions, by far. Uh, from Garlic Bread 78, I love that. Coming to Florida anytime soon. Yeah, we're coming to Florida pretty soon. Check out the dates on saleonsounds.com slash tour. Actor producer says, which one is the Wyatt guy? I don't know what that is supposed to mean. Um, I'm me. I'm this one. And um, yeah. From J.N. Thurmond, when are you coming back to California? Well, I don't know. I haven't planned any trips to california yet this year and i may not come this year but i came a few times last year and we probably will end up playing shows in california next year Uh, we don't have anything planned right now but stay tuned from rich gigawatt is there a connection between the beach boys muppets and weezer people i think yeah sure i mean i like all those things i know my buddy hypnotic fred likes all those things I'm sure a lot of you guys like all those things. They're just good things. The Muppets definitely, you know, have a little crossover with the Beach Boys, and so does Weezer. But, um, sure. From Rutger Scott, why do fools fall in love? Man, what a great question. I don't know. I really don't know. Why do birds sing so gay? There's a lot of questions that we could could bring up from that song. From Good Vertebrations, nice name again. 
this is just to say thanks. The podcast is amazing. A plus plus plus. Keep up the great work. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. I'm trying to keep it up. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening. It makes it so much easier hearing feedback and all that. And um, the great team that I have now has been pretty monumental in keeping the podcast going. Um, all right, a couple more from Instagram. Ah, from our own Nia D'Amelio. What's a song you want to do live but feel like you can't because it's too obscure? Yeah, I kind of answered this, but probably um, anything off of Holland um, it would be fun, or um, something off Surf's Up, Till I Die would be a lot of fun to do, or um, Day in the Life of a Tree, something you know weird like that. I'd love to try. Um, from Liam C. Chilton, can we look forward to any guest interviews on future pods yeah well i I usually have a guest every couple episodes and i'm planning on having more guests on um there's only a couple that are really super closely related to the beach boys and the reason that is is because uh, there's already lots of shows out there that interview these guys and they've already been asked every question so why do you need me to do the same thing i just i'm trying to find people that i know are going to be interesting that have good perspectives and this is a fan show and it's made by fans and I'd like to kind of keep it that way, but I do have a special one planned in the, in the near future. So just stay tuned. Um, from Tad Wagner, how did you all meet? So I, th I think you're referring to the band members in Ceylon. We fought, well, three of us played in a band called the Explorers Club. And um, the other two guys um, came along after the fact, after we started kind of thinking about doing this new concept, but that's how we met. Uh, from Hypnotic Fred. What's up, buddy? Hey, little tomboy in the set list win. That's another great song that I would love to play live, but you know, and I know, that's never going to happen. Uh, from House of Dumb. Favorite Love You track. Wow, man, that's tough. It's probably The Night Was So Young. That's really tough. I also love I'll Bet He's Nice. It's probably one of those. From Crispy Donut, you need a mess of help or Marcella? Uh, probably Marcella. And uh, let's see, one more from Instagram, from Will Ainsley. Al Jardine is the worst member of the Beach Boys. <laughs> Can you change my mind? Uh, I mean, Al is the man. I don't know how anybody, I mean, the worst member of the Beach Boys, that's like, that's a that's a weird way to put it. He's the least amazing. That's fine, but God, Al's so great. I love Al. Um, I don't know how well it's more to convince you. Listen to our Al Jardine episode from a few years ago. I think that should convince anyone that Al is the man. All right, so let's see. We've covered Instagram. We've covered uh, Discord. Let's go over to Twitter. I didn't get many on there. Twitter's weird. I don't know how the algorithm thing works, but not many people see, I think, the times that we tweet, but whatever. I'm I'm going to try it. I'm going to keep doing it, and hopefully you guys will uh, see the uh, the hilarious tweets that I make on Twitter. Uh, from Oh, again, from Will Quera. When will you cut to the chase and do a Rocky Pamplin special? Well, I think you know that we will definitely do something 
in the form of a Rocky Pamplin special when we get to 1978, 79. I'd love to do more of that um, and maybe get him on the show. Be fun. Uh, from Matthew Kaminsky. Did Dennis Wilson really write, You Are So Beautiful? Well, we don't really know. Anecdotally, we have stories that he and Billy Preston were at a party and Dennis was kind of singing it while Billy Preston played it. It sounds like a Dennis melody. It sounds like something he would write, but I don't think we have clear evidence either way. So it's one of those Beach Boys unsolved mysteries at the end of the day. All right, last one from Matt Kaminsky again. I just watched the Nebworth show again, and sometimes I can't see anyone singing the falsetto parts. Did one of the backup musicians tackle those parts? That's a great question that I don't really know the answer to. I'm sure somebody does, but it is probably either Joe Chimay, the bass player, or Bobby Figueroa. Um, coincidentally, Nia D'Amelio just did a episode over on our Patreon page, the first of her new series called Unhinged, where she watched the Nebworth concert for the first time and gave her opinions and commentary, and it's very entertaining. Um, if you like Carl's satin jacket and want to hear more, then head over to patreon.com slash on which is loaded with bonus content, episodes of uh, extended interviews, radio episodes, specials, and concert reviews, etc. Keeps the show running ad-free, which benefits all of you guys and us as well. Big shout-out to our newest members of the family, Brian, Wesley, Matt, Jeffrey, Ed, and James. Thank you, guys. It takes a mess of help to stand alone, of course, and I really appreciate you. So that will do it for today's show. I will be back in a month. Something a little different next time. Stay tuned, friends. It's going to be good. So until then, hang on to your ego. Be still and know you are. And sail on, sailors. to remember is that the one that has like the 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 whatchamacallit on it um say more sorry (laughs) i can't think of the name of the the little instrument that's like yeah there's one of those on there